Hi, I'm Kristen. And I'm Mike. And we're lost in the Sunnydale stats. This is the Sunnydale Stacks, where every other week we immerse ourselves in the world of Sunnydale, California, and review two episodes of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. But we've done that! (laughs) So this week we're taking a look back over the past three years for us, seven years in Buffy time, Mm -hmm. and reviewing all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. What? If you follow us on social media, the cat is out of the bag. And if you don't, why not? <laughs> you should probably do that. Because last week we announced that after we close the books, get it, on Buffy, we'll continue the podcast in its new form, the Sunnydale Stacks, mm-hmm. Flying with Firefly. Oh. Woo! I'm really excited. <laughs> Are you really excited? I'm very excited. <laughs> it's going to be fun. I really can't wait to get into it. I, I just yeah. can't wait to talk about like Mal and like Zoe and Wash. They're adorable and dinosaurs talking and just all the stuff, you guys. And spaceships. Spaceships. They have guns. That's going to be a whole new thing. Reavers are going to be. I mean, that that I'm not excited about to talk about. That's, that's going to be. You don't think they're cute? Oh, cute little Reavers. Oh, they hang out with the Queller demon in space. So we're going to take a little break after this episode to get ready for the move from the Stacks to our brand new spaceship. Mm-hmm. So mark it on your calendars. The Sunnydale Stacks is returning June 27th with Flying with Firefly. Woo-hoo. But you don't have to change anything about the way you subscribe to our podcast. It's all staying the same under the same roof, in the same feed. Mm-hmm. Just keep us sub- uh, subscribed the Sunnydale Stacks on your app and you'll get all the new episodes. Same social media uh, web pages. Same bat channel. Same bat time. So now let's head into the Sunnydale Stacks and open the books on Buffy. The Vampire Slayer! Woo! So throughout the podcast, we've talked about our favorite or least favorite seasons. And after each season, we kind of gave our general feelings. But now that we've been able to revisit the entire series, uh, we decided that we would have our definitive Mm -hmm. season rankings. Yep. Pretty excited about this. Um, I I think we need to preface that, like, these are our personal opinions. Yeah. We do not consider ourselves, like, definitive experts. This is just how we feel. And it may not line up with the way that you feel. Mm-hmm. And definitely, like, I think it's a lot of it is shaped by having watched it, it more in depth, like watching two episodes every mm-hmm. two weeks and really, really analyzing it in that frame has changed my opinions on some things. Whereas opposed to if you're just gla- uh, glaring through it like real quick, maybe skipping over episodes you didn't like as much. Or if you're just relying yeah. on your memory and you haven't mm-hmm. seen it in a couple of years, yeah. you might feel differently. So, Mike, we can't say, like, seasons you don't like, because let's face it, yeah. we love Buffy. We love all of Buffy. Even the worst parts of Buffy are still fantastic. Yeah. It's your least favorite season of Buffy is better than most seasons of any television show. Fair. So we'd um, say, like, your seventh favorite season. <laughs> uh, yeah. My, uh, my, my seventh favorite season is, I'm sorry to shock anybody about this one, seven. Okay. Okay. 
I need to preface by saying at a really hard time with my bottom three. Okay. Because I really wanted to make it a three-way tie yeah. for just like, eh. But if you're forcing me to choose, my least favorite season is also choose. seven. Yeah. Oh, let's, let's talk about it. So for me, it came down to, especially with, with the idea of watching every single episode, there were some great highs in this season. Mm-hmm. There's definitely seasons we'll talk about that I think may not have had as many highs. But the problem was that there was a lot of boring lows, not right. even fun lows. Right. You know, there are other seasons where there are episodes that are silly. They're mm-hmm. like ridiculous yeah. and they're dated. I mean, again... None of Buffy is bad, but yeah. it's like bad Buffy, but it's still fun to mm-hmm. watch. It's still funny or there's still good character moments. There was just a lot of season seven that had nothing. It wasn't funny. It wasn't funny bad. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, there weren't character moments or good quotes or quips. Was, I can't even remember what happened. Yeah, it was just it, it, a lot of episodes where it felt like, oh, we're just hanging out in the house. Right. And yeah, there's there's no transcendently bad ones or just like even the interesting episodes, uh the the good episodes are 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 pretty solid, but mm-hmm. there's nothing that's like an all-time classic for me. Mm-hmm. There are moments, maybe in the finale, a couple other episodes, but there's not a lot of all-time classics for for me in there to to counterbalance out the fact that all the lows just really kind of blend together and nothing's that distinct. Yeah. it To me, it, season seven just doesn't feel like Buffy, except for a handful of episodes mm-hmm. of Lessons yeah. felt like Buffy. The last two definitely felt yeah. like Buffy. You Lies, know, the, that was a good one. Sure. Yeah. Uh, what was our potential? Yeah. Love that one. Yeah. Um, but something that Chris and I talk about a lot is the idea that the purpose of art is to make you feel something. And whether it's making you feel something bad, whether mm-hmm. it makes you mad or it makes you sad or it yeah. makes you cringe or it makes you scared or if it makes you feel good and you feel amazing and you feel love mm-hmm. or you just feel excitement, art should make you feel something. Yeah. With the exception of like a few handful of times, season seven didn't really make me feel much, yeah. which I feel like, again, even if it's like, right. Adam sucks. I'm feeling something there. No, yeah, exactly. And there, 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 there are seasons where I definitely feel like just the fact that I felt something almost every episode definitely helps them uh, raising the ranks. One, I uh, not to give anything away because we agreed not to talk about any season until we both mentioned it. Special little preview. There's one season that is a lot higher than I thought it would be because um, I really had to face that idea of it. did it make me feel something. Mm-hmm. And it ended up a lot higher than, than I think a lot of people would expect. What is your sixth favorite? Um, my season? sixth favorite season. I will go with number five. Okay. My second to least favorite, whatever. Yeah. Number six for me <laughs> is season one. Season one. Okay. Did we state the rules that like we're not going to, so we're not going to discuss a season in depth until we've both named it. Yeah. So it doesn't get too confusing here. Mm-hmm. All right. So uh, we'll just go on to the fifth favorite season and uh we're gonna do some discussion now because i have number one okay season one uh, so why did you have a season one down at, n- at number six season one always i feel like carries more with me because it's mm-hmm. it's the nostalgia of it uh-huh 
that like, oh, look, it's so cute and dated. It's so 90s. Mm-hmm. But really, when we talked about, you know, introducing new people to Buffy, the fact that we told people like skip right to Prophecy Girl, because a lot of this is rough. Yeah. Yeah. A lot of it's like it's so cute and campy. Mm-hmm. But is it really great television? You know, the fact that it's got some story problems and some like yeah. writing problems, some growing pains and like any mm-hmm. first season of any show is going to have that. Yeah. So it's not that at all that I think season one was like, again, bad. It's just that looking at other seasons in general that had less remarkable qualities. Mm-hmm. Yeah. This actually jumped in my rankings, if I remember correctly from how I think we initially kind of, when we've discussed it on the podcast before, especially earlier on, I think the, the season one wrap up, I think because it's, it's one of those things of averaging on the whole. Mm-hmm. And I can always enjoy a season one episode. Even the bad ones have that camp factor. Fair. Um, yeah. I, I found watching other seasons that like the bad episodes just weren't as entertaining as this one, even though, yeah, it doesn't go super high up on my list because the highs aren't that high but mm-hmm. it's I, I find it consistently watchable so it jumped up a little bit from where it used that's to be. actually a really good point it is very watchable mm-hmm. because it's i mean it just doesn't get too dense yeah it's it's very light mm-hmm. uh, i feel like i'm using the word campy way too fucking much although but, when discussing season one it, it definitely comes up a lot well it, and i feel like season one is hard to rank because it's so short that yeah, it's like, it's, how do you compare 12 episodes to 22? Because, I mean, yeah, season seven had some great episodes. Mm-hmm. And if you cut out half the season, exactly. what would you be left with? Yeah. You might be left with, like, 12 pretty good episodes. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of series where I feel like you can make that argument, like uh, Twin Peaks. Mm. The first season is pretty much wall-to-wall good. Second season has some rough spots, but they also, like, almost doubled the amount of episodes they had. If you took all the good parts of season two, it would pretty much match up with season one there. So, like, it is one of those things. It's a little... It's a little hard to really – I'm glad I don't have it too high up because if it was like my second favorite season, I feel like it would be harder to justify like right. not having episodes that I could stand to stand in, uh, by as saying like these are fantastic hours of television you could watch no matter what. So I bring up the idea that like season one is very watchable because it's not too dark or dense because my third to least favorite mm-hmm. season is season five. All right. Double discussion round. Yeah. Yeah, it's a little more fun than season seven when like the the bad episodes are like uh, Goofy Snake Man with his tiny arms. But I, I just feel like there was a few less great episodes, even though there are some stellar episodes in that season, than some of the ones that ranked higher. So this one, I just had to go on the overall ranking, and I feel like they kind of missed the mark in some parts of the uh, Glory Ben storyline. That I don't think they necessarily. Uh, capitalized on all that potential, pun intended, as as well as they could have. Why why uh, why why is number five not alive? He said to no one in the room. It's a short circuit reference. Okay. Oh yeah, um, Johnny Five. Okay. <laughs> Aren't you so excited when you have to explain your references Yay, to me, Johnny Five? Uh, <laughs> I've seen that one. Yeah. Oh, good. good. <laughs> um. <laughs> with brown face Fisher Stevens and all? Yes. Ooh. So I I mean, number five for me, I can't put it higher because even though season six has the reputation of being the mm-hmm. really dark season, I always remember season five as being just 
a dense kind of downer. Yeah. Um, the Riley storyline got real heavy. Spike got real stalkery. Mm-hmm. Cancer. Yeah. Sacrificed your sister to save the world. Giles is a murderer. Ben's a piece of shit. Like everything <laughs> just feels like the more I think about season five, I'm like, oh, I'm a little depressed now. Yeah. There's only so much that a little, little, little arm snake man can do. <laughs> like, but there are some great yeah, moments, yeah. which to me elevate it from season over season one mm-hmm. of the gift, the body that, that was the dilemma I was having in my head is like, if, how am I, how am I averaging out the whole season? Yeah. And that, I, I, probably say that honestly the the hardest decision was how to rank these two seasons i agree and again if i had my way it would have been a three-way tie <laughs> no yeah <laughs> and i think it's it's very close but like like you said i can totally justify and and part of me it's going back and forth still like yeah you mentioned some hours of television i could recommend to anybody the mm-hmm. gift the body there's also a lot of just you know ben having a failed romance with buffy that goes nowhere sure on not being a character anyone's figured out for the entire yeah. season pretty much and and, and again it, the idea of creating dawn is such an interesting yeah. idea and like i i really do like that episode the real me where you're mm-hmm. introduced to this new character yeah and i absolutely <laughs> adore it um it, but it is a shame that they just couldn't figure out how to write her really until season seven because she blossoms in season seven yeah yeah there's definitely some some moments where she gets gets a little bit more to do in like season six uh but yeah season seven it finally feels like they know how to write dawn finally yeah. and the series is over and she barely had any time to do it's a shame yeah yeah and i also like the cancer stuff i know that i was a broken record on this when we were talking mm-hmm. about season five and like i get that it's a real real world thing it hits a little too close to home for me that it yeah. just kind of like makes me mad for feeling negative things which again it made mm-hmm. me feel something yes so yeah. that's good. But kind of to me, it's missing the lightness of earlier seasons mm-hmm. that like. And, just it, kind and of it's it drama, unlike season six, which I know a lot of people look down on. The drama in season six is mostly like the kind of drama you want to watch mm-hmm. that you see in in soap operas for better or for worse that you see in like filmed uh, dramas you f- see in tragedies as opposed to like. Just like it's a real bummer that somebody gets cancer. Well, I mean, I would. So when you say like soap operas, I would say opposite that season five. I don't like soap operas. And to me, Ah. season five is a soap opera. Season six has a lot of drama, but it's magical drama. (laughs) So I like my brain can handle that Mm -hmm. and makes it a little less personal. Yeah, there's that layer of this is all about, you know, it's magical addiction. Sure. It's not that all of a sudden Willow's doing, you know, hardcore drugs. That would make sense on a different show, but yeah. on this one, it, it would just be totally too weird. Right. And that's, yeah, there's definitely some some stuff there. And also, let's just, I mean, let's just say it again. Riley's storyline was Ooh. weird as fuck. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's not even getting into the fact that Don, they had some trouble writing. Riley, they had no idea why he was even there. No. And, and they decided to go vampire. real weird with it. Yeah. It's, it's definitely one of those decisions where it's like, you guys didn't have anything i i don't and and like there's some great riley stuff in the previous season uh but he has nothing to do there nothing against you mark lucas the one the one moment that i can think of that was kind of cool was him his thing to uh xander about but she doesn't love me Mm -hmm. that was a cool moment yeah 
And I'm also thinking about like the Knights of Byzantium. Uh, Did I get it uh, right this time? Pepto Bismol. That one. Yeah. Uh, the, like they made for some cool set pieces. Yeah. And like sword fight on top of like, mm-hmm. uh, what is that thing? RV. It's RV. Yeah. Thank you. Also, I fucking love that RV. Yeah. Why was it only in one episode? Like that was some cool set yeah. pieces. But again, it's like the Ben thing. Mm-hmm. Cool idea. I need a little. I want more. more of that. Yeah. 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 Uh, that's definitely a, a, a through line of the season of like, why do we have so many episodes that are dealing with things I don't care about. And we only have one episode where it's a cool RV chase. Yeah. More <laughs> RV chases, guys. I think, I think that's the answer to most of life's problems. Mm-hmm. All right. Hitting the middle now. Yep. Your fourth favorite season of Buffy. Uh, you may be uh, detecting a pattern. I swear it's not intentional. My fourth favorite season is season four. Mine too. Oh, sweet. Uh, tie round. I was surprised. And I, I'm guessing you feel... You kind of hinted at this a little earlier. Yeah. It often has a bad rap. Mm-hmm. Like I hear a lot of people saying season four is the worst. Yeah. I And I was surprised looking back at how much I'm like, no, I actually remember really loving this. Yeah. Well, because like the things that get gets wrong are are like kind of not usually what Buffy gets wrong. Like mm-hmm. the finale, not counting the the dream finale, which is a weird thing to do as the finale. But what would typically be the finale, mm-hmm. the climax, the climax battle, yeah. yeah, is pretty weak. Yeah. The main villain is pretty weak, but most everything else is pretty cool. Yeah. And there's, I mean, it's still keeping things fairly light. Mm-hmm. There's some campiness. There's, it's stuff that I feel like is easier to do when your main character is in school yeah. because it has these, you know, fun moments that mm-hmm. we can all understand is like I was a student once as opposed to like now I'm out of school and I have to pay a mortgage because my mother died like whoa real world problems pull it back a bit it's a little too relatable in some ways yes exactly so you've got some fun college lighthearted there's more Mm -hmm. parties they're figuring out like what's college like and what's my place in the world like the the beginnings of the willow terror relationship are just so sweet and so lovely and the beginnings of the buffy riley relationship are adorable yeah and like spike new beginning spike with a chip has some great physical comedy in Mm -hmm. there and like xander's five million jobs like there's (laughs) a lot of really fun stuff and i still think the idea of the initiative yeah. Is cool. Yeah. Like they, the, and there's a couple times where it works, but yeah, they, they drop the ball in a little bit. But the idea itself can carry a lot. Yeah, they they didn't stick the landing. Mm-hmm. When they when they seed that, you're interested. Yeah. And then they fudge it all up. <laughs> and I mean, uh not to like put everything on individual episodes, but there are some standouts. Of course, the the one I think we'd get pilloried if we didn't mention would be hush. Hush. Oh my god. I mean, that alone can raise the season uh, uh, a letter grade. Exactly. And I mean, and there is some great emotional stuff too, mm-hmm. you know, with Oz leaving. Holy fuck. The faith double episode. You know how much I love that. Yes. Yeah. Um, that is such a good double episode. And it's, uh, and it's weird. Cause that one, I, I tend to not always remember where it's at in the continuity. And I'm like, Oh, Oh, Riley's in it. So it must be season four. Right. Um, but it also is like, very much of the season where it can deal with some darker things. Obviously, Faith is going through some stuff, but it's still really fun and airy throughout. It doesn't yes. get too bogged down. It doesn't ever feel like a sad episode of Angel. Right. 
And the nice thing about season four is it does have this through line of every single character grows throughout the season. Everyone mm-hmm. is trying to find their place. Anya's trying to figure out what being human yeah. is for her. Giles is figuring out who he is if he's not a librarian. I yep. keep thinking of that episode, A New Man, when Ethan yeah. comes back, is great. Yeah. Everyone's figuring out what college means. Xander's trying to figure mm-hmm. out who he is if he's not in college with all of his friends. Even Joyce is trying to figure out what am I doing now that my daughter's left the nest? Like, it's mm-hmm. just a really great season that, like, everyone's asking these questions that aren't too deep, but that, like, yeah. but it's everyone does that in their, you know, when they're 18 or whatever. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people make a big deal out of, oh, Buffy was never the same after high school. And yeah, that's true to a degree, but the spirit of it, I think, was still there and that mm-hmm. it was tackling a lot of everyday things that everyone goes through. Mm-hmm. Um, well, not everyone, but that a lot of people go through and a lot of people go with go through uh, or deal with going to college or Alexander not going to college yep. and, having, and knowing people who do. Uh, and that's, and and that's kind of the the part of the beauty of the show as it was originally intended, that mixture of the high fantasy with everyday mundane troubles. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And like the idea of like not getting along with your roommate because, oh, she's evil. Like turns out, yeah, she actually yeah. is. Or like, you know, finding your group on campus and, mm-hmm. you know, it's a Wicca group that doesn't do Wicca. And... Uh, you, you might say a Wicca who won't. That one. <laughs> And, you know, first sexual encounters in a dorm room and it's a penis. I really love that episode. Okay. It was the first one I saw. The initiative yeah. is a great episode. Spike and Willow are hilarious. Yeah. It's a penis. Penis. It's a penis. Okay. So now we're on our third favorite season. Mm-hmm. Uh, my third favorite uh, is season six. Me too. Ah, another time round. <laughs> you guys, we did not plan this. No. We completely uh, decided on these separately. Yeah, this is one that I was a little bit surprised at how high it was. Not not too surprised because I've, I've said I do like it in the past. Uh, but I just feel like it does a lot of interesting things with the show. And when mm-hmm. it gets dark, it tends to get dark in a way that's still dramatically viable and doesn't feel just like depressing. Yeah. Or if it does, it's the good kind of depressing, like, oh, man, that was a good cry. Not like, yeah. oh, I can't. I don't want to get out of bed now. Right. I will say, like, I did struggle between this and season four yeah. because there's so many fun moments of season four. Mm-hmm. Like, when I think of season four, I can't stop smiling about all these funny things. Riley punching Parker is a highlight. And season six has some fun parts. Sure. Oh. I love the episode Gone. Once mm-hmm. more with feeling, of course. Tabula Rasa, of course. Yeah. Um, and so it is darker, but it's it's so well written. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we've got the trio to lighten things up, yep. which, again, no, they're terrible. I need to take that back. That I, I'll explain myself. So, like, they're terrible. Yeah. They're the worst. They're attempted rapists. And they deserve all the pain that Buffy wants to mete out to them. Um, but all their nerdy references yeah. and them being dum-dums, we can laugh at. Well, and that's kind of, in microcosm, what I find so fascinating about season six is that it finds a way to, like, have the levity but not shy away from the darker aspects of things. And the trio is the perfect example of that, where most of the time it's, haha, isn't it funny that these guys are being, like, such dorks and they don't really realize how dorky they're being? Mm-hmm. And then you kind of see, like, 
there's a dark side to that where it's like this obliviousness isn't just about like they don't get that they're not cool it's like they don't understand boundaries or or what's right they're very they're very much ensconced in their own needs and wants and not caring about other people especially women and uh, the the I feel like that's definitely subject matter that uh, is just prime material for Buffy to have gone after in mm-hmm. the way it did. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I thought it was just fantastic there. Now, everything they did in that season, there's a reason it's not my number one. Sure. Uh, stuff like maybe what Spike does. Yep. Uh, through parts of this, especially the back half of the season mm-hmm. where he gets a, a lot rapier and it's, dealt with in a very weird way, very jumbled way. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I hate to be the, the broken record on this because I know we've... It's just a... I mean, like... It's such a huge thing. It's such a huge thing for a show that has the mission statement that it does. Mm-hmm. That, like... And especially in a season where, like, you are dealing with these misogynistic, date-rapey mm-hmm. twerps that feel entitled to a woman's body yeah yeah that's super important because that is so real world that is a problem that women deal with every single freaking day that like okay you were nice to me i don't owe you shit Mm -hmm. so yeah to that is a thing that buffy did tackle and did it well and should tackle so to have this huge huge problem in relations between men and women and just to totally biff it yeah. It's such a pro- I mean, it's the same way that like Beauty and the Beast when we were talking about mm. how do you biff abusing yeah. your significant other and victim blaming on this type of show. And it's it's just one of those things where it's like I I don't understand how you didn't see what it was. Why you wouldn't just be like, that didn't work. That didn't work. We have to do something else. Like mm-hmm. it, it would be the kind of thing like I would be like, take it out of my salary. We need to fix this. It, I mean, it, I, it's, I'm surprised that like if someone pitched it in the writer's room, other people going, no, yeah. not that way. No. that Find that, another how, way. How are you? Ju- and then what's going to happen? That's what's yeah. going to happen next? Yeah. With but these in, characters? Okay. In terms of what works, like the addiction yeah. metaphor works for mm-hmm. me. Yeah, you know, absolutely. Willow just really goes through some shit. Mm-hmm. And it's, I think a lot of people that have struggled with addiction find a lot of comfort in that storyline and her yeah. recovery. Tara's death is heartbreaking, oh. but done so well. And such a great like motivation for the last couple episodes and the, the, the really beautifully done twist where it ties together two disparate elements of the season of like, Oh, how are the big bads going to be these three mm-hmm. dorks who can barely steal a diamond? Right. How are they going to like surpass Buffy who who literally beat a god last season? And it's like, oh, you're going to have her friend gain all the magical power in the world and try to dole out a, a what she thinks is righteous justice. Mm-hmm. Because she's no longer trying to control this magic addiction she's been dealing with for the whole season and just gives in, has... The mother of all relapses, where literally she almost destroys the world. It's just, I, I, I really like that that culmination. Mm-hmm. What is your second? I mean, like this is like yeah. this is this is really just like I mean anything after like fourth favorite. It's just like it's they're all great and like it's not. It's more like which which is your favorite piece of fine chocolate? Oh, I mean, let's have that taste test. <laughs> 
Um, so my second favorite, and again, I'm not doing this on purpose, is season two. Same. Whoa. Okay. Of course. Okay. It's interesting that before this yeah. watch through, I would have said season two was my favorite. Yeah. And yeah. this is a very hard to see decision because seasons two and three are amazing television. This is... All of Buffy is wonderful and all of it is why yeah. we watch. But really, like when you're trying to get people addicted, you're like, but watch these two seasons. Yeah. My God, this is the Buffy I think of. And seasons two has such great set pieces. Mm-hmm. They really hit their stride with the Angelus storyline. My God. Yeah. yeah. And and just the guts it takes to be a show where halfway through the second season, you kill off a major character and it's killed by somebody who was a good guy and now is a bad guy. And mm. you just have to deal with that for the rest of the season. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, something that Chris said in our last episode about, the, like, you know, Evil Spike is way is just so much more watchable mm-hmm. than William with a soul spike. Yeah. I feel the same way about Angelus. Yeah. Like, he's a dick, but I kind of want to watch him all the time, no, right? He's a great villain. Uh, it, it's just, it's remarkable how sometimes that, that, that switch can be made because as an angel, he has to be all brooding, has to be very almost like stiff in, in, in a way, very put together. I need to control this, this horrible side of myself. I've done bad things. And then as Angelus, he's just like, I don't care. I'm having fun. Oh, that's, I mean, watching him enjoy yeah. being evil is just mm-hmm. so watchable. And then you've also yeah. got Spike and Drew. Yeah. And they're amazing. And every scene is just like fun and quotable and creepy and occasionally sexy and mostly just weird mm-hmm. and it's just and then the, there's the whole like incestuous love triangle between the three of them where it's like you all feel like your siblings but like you're fighting over the love of the same woman who's kind of your one of your mothers and one of your daughters and it's just like oh these vampires are just so weird and gross uh but they're just so much fun to watch i love it i absolutely love it becoming part two again is just mm-hmm. like fucking opera it's amazing yeah. yeah if we were talking about like sticking the landing they definitely do with the finale like it sets a great precedent of like this is how you can like end a season of of television that that sword scene at the end mm-hmm. like i think about that at least once a week i swear <laughs> to god yeah. just oh uh, ah. yeah so the only reason to that this was not my number one mm-hmm. is that I think it has more problematic Monster of the Week episodes. All the arc-heavy ones are fantastic. Passion. Mm -hmm. Oh, my God. But, like, isn't Go Fish in season two? Yeah. Yeah. Yes. There's just some Monster of the Week ones that, like, okay, you're still figuring out some of these goofier ones. They mostly had everything figured out, but there are occasional, like, stumbles. I think a common thing we'd say for a season two episode that wasn't our favorite was, like, this feels like a season one episode. Yeah. And there are a couple that do that. And in three, that doesn't happen so much. Exactly. So, obviously both came to the same conclusion. Must be true. Favorite season. Season three. Um, and I mean, there's so many reasons, but I mean, one of the biggest ones. Mayor! Oh my God, the mayor. I never realized how much I loved him until this time around. Like, I, I always, obviously, yeah. I have such a girl crush on Faith. Mm-hmm. I have since the moment I yeah. saw her. She's amazing. But this time around, like, everything's about the mayor. Like, mm-hmm. to the point that when he shows up in seasons four and seven, you're like, yes! Yes, come back! I will watch a mayor spinoff! <laughs> Just the mayor's rise to power. I would watch that. I don't even like prequels, and I'd watch that. And then it's just great too to have the, this character with that, uh, like this the prototypical, very polite, 
Mm. monstrous villain and his relationship with faith feels so natural Mm. and sweet in a way yes i I think we remarked at the time it was it was amazing how how short it was in actual like episodes it was only like a few before the end but just it felt so fully realized yes there's not a lot of shows that do that with their villains such such good detail Mm -hmm. work like all the little details around his germophobia and Mm -hmm. his the way that he interacts with faith and Mm -hmm. this fatherly but also like evil mentor role yeah like all these this detail work that you're just like that really just makes it feel so real Mm -hmm. he's evil he's clearly evil and needed to die yeah but also like I kind of just want him to be an un- my uncle. Like yeah. he's just, he's also weirdly lovable. Yeah. And I, the fact that they can do that is genius. And despite, uh, granted, there's some limitations to the CGI at the end. The fact that the show kind of makes you feel a little bad that Buffy is using the knife to lure a giant snake monster to its death. There's something to oh. be said for a, a show that can do that, that can make you feel like, oh, that poor giant snake monster that's trying oh, to eat the world. Yeah, you're teasing him with his like pseudo daughter's death kind yeah. of deathish, deathish. Um, and yeah, and just like great fights. The the Buffy Faith fight mm-hmm. might be the best fight in the show. Oh goddamn! Um, it's just really well shot and just one of those great meeting of two different styles. I was just uh, thinking, like you know, season two of see the end. Angel and Jell storyline is the thing I immediately go to. And in all of Buffy, that is clearly her epic love story, yeah. her soulmate, this love she can never have with Angel. But it's interesting that like her love story season three, I don't really care about the Angel love story season no. three. It is the Buffy Faith love story in season three that you the idea that like you're not alone. You can have a slayer friend and do you want to, mm-hmm. do you not to, do you not want it? There's this tension that's both sexual and competitive. Mm-hmm. And oh there's just so much to that relationship. And there's something to be said for the fact that not that I ever got sick of any characters, but Faith never outstayed her welcome. Yeah. Like, there was never a time where it was like, well, they don't know what to do with Faith anymore. It was never stale. Yeah. You never got stale with Faith or the mayor for that that part. Even when they brought him back, it was like, I don't care. I want more. I want more yeah. of this character. Well, in the same Any way excuse. that in season four, I, I like that all the characters grew mm-hmm. and they were all changing and figuring stuff out. Faith was constantly changing. That Like, yeah. she showed up looking for you know, escaping this tragic thing that happened with her watcher mm-hmm. and looking for acceptance and, you know, feeling like this second fiddle yeah. and then this rejection by her other watcher and then gaining acceptance, but then fucking up mm-hmm. and accidentally killing a dude. And now she's like got the guilt thing and then she embraces her, her evil side, like all of this stuff that is always happening with her. That's all in character and all moves the season along. Yeah. And I I think there's just something to be said for the season where it's hard for me to remember the parts I didn't like. Were there any? I mean, you uh, know what I mean? Beauty and the Beast, sure, probably. Yeah. Um, Is Bad Eggs in season three? I can't remember. I That's one like of those ones that could be anywhere sure. between two and three. But like. And I think that thing is like, even, even if a Monster of the Week wasn't the best there was usually some great faith or mayor stuff in there. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the cast was definitely like on in their stride. They all knew what they were doing. The, the main cast it was just, it, it's, it's that great period in a, in a show where there's usually a couple of years. If it's a long running show 
where it's like, yeah, you're kind of figuring it out for the first year or two. Then you kind of hit your stride. And this is right where it's like starting to just be like, we know what we're doing. We're putting out episodes. We got it all figured out. We'll and love it's it. just, oh, let's it's, go watch it right now. Yeah. I'm just so excited. I'm so happy just talking about it. Mm-hmm. All right, guys, we got some more coming up. We got some more rankings, least favorite up, favorite up, all the deaths, the villains, the slays. We've got your answers to our question. But before we get to that, it's time for us to take a break and hear from our sponsor. Tired of looking all across the land for a date? How did you know? Feel like your dating options have dried up. (laughs) What options? Do I have a whale of an offer for you? Is it a new dating website and or app? Yes. What is it called? Plenty of Actual Fish. Huh? Plenty of Actual Fish, where we find hot single fish for lovelorn landlocked lovers. Do you mean like fishermen who go catch seafood? No, actual fish for people to date. Like in the title, Plenty of Actual Fish. Whether you want to date a merfolk, kraken, giant squid, octopus, swordfish, or just a regular old cod, Plenty of Actual Fish is the dating platform for you. Okay, I mean, I guess the merfolk could be something. Great. How does a high school boys swim team fish jock sound? Actually, I am into women, so is there more of like an Ariel or Daryl Hannah situation? Nope, just male teenagers who are really just gilly, scaly messes. Oh, well, thanks anyway, but that isn't my deal, and I definitely don't want to date a straight-up animal, so I don't think I'm interested. Didn't you see The Shape of Water? Yeah, one best picture. Wasn't it romantic? I guess, in a kind of magical realism way. But I am neither attracted to men nor fish, and that seems to be exclusively what you offer. Well, yes. Boys have needs. No, thanks. Come on, they won't even eat you until afterwards. What? Nothing. Do you even have non-fish jock clients? Well, uh, no. I'm leaving. Never talk to me again. Plenty of actual fish, because boys have needs. That's gross. It isn't even a fish pun. Uh. Welcome back, Staggers. Back from the break. Yeah, the Sunnydale Stacks. (laughs) The other thing we talked about a lot over the past three years is like, what apps we like in the season, mm-hmm. favorite app, least favorite app. Yeah. So now thinking of all the seven seasons of Buffy, Mike, what is your least favorite? Again, not to say bad because we love them all. Yeah. But of all your multitude of favorite mm-hmm. awesome Buffy episodes, what is your least favorite episode? This was a hard one because there's a lot of different metrics. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was hard to pin down one for being like, this is my least favorite because it was the least memorable which in some ways is like a, a great offense, mm-hmm. but it's hard to do that because it's not memorable. <laughs> uh, That's fair. Yeah. And there's just too many options for like, it would be a thing where it's like, can I have a three-way tie between three season seven episodes? Like that doesn't really count. Yeah. Um, and there's episodes that are truly awful, but in a delightful way. I, Robot, you, Jane. Yeah. I can't name that my least favorite episode just for the fact that I can now say, I, Robot, you, Jane as a reference. No, I, I, uh, I love... I robot you, Jane. It is not great television. No. But god damn is it watchable and funny. <laughs> no, that's it yeah, that can't be robot. my least favorite. 
Um, so what I finally ended up on was like, this is an episode that I feel like I'd rather just not have in the series because it failed. It wasn't even memorable except for in the ways it was bad and offensive. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying Beauty and the Beasts. Okay, yeah. Because it was it, it's like the only thing I even remember about that episode is how it fumbled abuse. And there's no reason for that to be in yeah. the series. Mm-hmm. That was in consideration for me. I don't want to come to, down too hard on the writers because they tried. They definitely, yeah. it's not like they like were yay abuse. This guy was ab- abusive and they said like, you're a terrible, horrible mm-hmm. monster person yeah. kind of a- attempted to like show sympathy to the victim, but then just fumbled it. Like, Oh, I think she's broken. Like it, they just, yeah. they tried, they failed. Oz has some sweet moments where he's being really nice to this girl and notices her black eye. Yeah. Uh, I went with, again, the idea that great art makes you feel something, anything. Mm -hmm. I did kind of go with what is my least favorite because it may, might have not existed. It, it, it did nothing for me in, I remember us saying that about goodbye, Iowa. Yeah. And I, that is the one where like Adam met a boy that like, it thought it, we thought it was going to be this interesting, like relationship and he just killed him yeah and like off screen the boy was just dead yeah yeah and they they handled that oddly and just nothing happened yeah and i feel nothing about it goodbye (laughs) you definitely made that joke several times uh, it's, it's honestly, it's the the thing I remember most about the episode. I mostly joke. remember that one weird scene where they were like standing outside looking at the crime scene at like sunset, oh. and just the lighting was weird. I just yeah. remember like all oh, that weird lighting in that one. That shouldn't scene. be the most memorable part of an episode of a no. show about a a woman who slays vampires. Yeah, and like, that the lighting was kind of off on that one scene, right? That's when we get to that part of season four where you get really heavy into adam and yeah. professor walsh is dead so and she was interesting to yeah. watch and so after she's gone you're like oh this is all about mr floppy disk all the time <laughs> i'm so intimidating let me put in this file but, it's oregon trail but he wasn't even intimidating at that point because this is when he was just hiding in a cave yeah we heard about him killing a boy but like and i don't in no way want to see that no. scene that's disgust. no that'd be no too much too much child death but uh, yeah the, this the walking floppy disk that hides in a cave is no intimidating buffing riley's fight is not compelling and it's just a lot of nothing yeah so lots of episodes of buffy i'm trying to remember the exact number at this point and i'm I can't do it. It's got to be at least 30. <laughs> of all those episodes of Buffy, Mike, which was your favorite? It's one of those things where it could be different on a different day. Mm-hmm. What's the criteria? Is it like the one I I think of first, but then that changes too. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's just I have more affection or what I think is like the best hour of Buffy television. So I finally went with is like what I think encapsulates Buffy, the best as an episode and i had to go with the gift me too yeah <laughs> you already thought we were gonna be fighting all night yeah for me it came down to my top three were mm-hmm. chosen yeah becoming part two 
and the gift and mm. all great episodes, very hard to choose. But yeah, yeah, the gift, I just remember being this perfect hour of television that like they didn't need to expand it to two hours. Nope. There was no part of it that didn't feel perfect. Yeah. It expressed all the characters beautifully. It it was the finale of a season in a really beautiful way. And it still felt almost self-contained. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, you wouldn't be completely unlost if you went into that one blind. But it's not like you wouldn't. It, it would be a, a finale where you wouldn't care. You'd be like, oh, I'm invested in this. Because mm-hmm. it just it builds the characters to such a beautiful point. Has so many great moments for pretty much any major character you want to think of. It has moments that... Uh, are shocking and surprising awesome fight at the end um, touching this one xander proposes to anya yeah before that all goes to shit yeah uh, <laughs> back when that was a happy relationship uh there's just like cool just badass moments where like buffy just uh throws joel gray off the side of the the yes. tower and just like fuck you this is you're not important right now this really yeah you get this really exciting tense mm-hmm. moment where there's so much at stake and you still find a moment for humor yeah yeah. And like subvert our expectations of and his expectations like this is going to be bam gone. Yep. Like love it. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Um and even moments that I know we we disagree on, I think one of the most pivotal moments and I think one of the greatest moments, not necessarily in an ethical sense, but in a character sense, uh for Giles when he kills Ben. I think that's a super important moment for that character. It's like the first time you see it, it's kind of shocking, but then kind of makes perfect sense. And it's, and it influences so much about what you see, what you, what you already know about Giles. And then going forward, like the whole thing with him sending Spike off to die makes total sense when you think about, uh, his reaction, uh, to, to Ben's situation in this episode. Um, so great character stuff there. Um, and of course, just a really sad, sweet finale for oh, for Buffy. That ending, yeah. it's. I mean, it honestly is so perfect. It almost should have been the series finale. Yeah. Not to say that I don't appreciate getting two more scenes of Buffy. No, that's and the thing. Chosen was a. I love Chosen, mm-hmm. but it was so perfect. No. And like, this is kind of what you think about what I was saying. Like, Chosen could have ended sadly because the gift ended super fucking yeah. sadly. <laughs> But it was, but yeah, the final way to end sadly, it was a sad triumph. Yes. If that makes sense. Yes. That is a great way to put it. And and it was really beautiful. Is this also where you get Spike like telling her, I know that I'm a monster, but you treat me like a man. Was that the, that episode too? I think so. Oh yeah. No, the gift is just yeah. every part, every part of it. And plus his fight with Joel Gray is awesome. So you even yeah. like build up that, that moment with Buffy even more. And by having this awesome fight. You have the Buffy Bob being used as distraction. Yes. Willow getting Tara back. Oh, and that's so hard. Oh, oh God, I'm such that. a good <laughs> <laughs> um, You guys, I think we like the gift a little bit. I think we uh, it might be a, a good episode. That'd be a good one. Okay, now that we got real happy, let's bring everything way the fuck down. Oh, slowing it down. Joss Whedon is notorious for killing off your favorite people. In mm-hmm. fact, it's a very popular meme. Guns don't kill people. Joss Whedon kills people. So of all the tragic, sad deaths in Buffy, what do you think is the saddest? Oh, this is a bummer. Do you go with the first one, Jenny? Uh, Because I don't count what's his name for the pilot. Uh, (laughs) That didn't hit me too hard. Uh, Queller demon. No. uh, There's uh, really beautiful, the beautiful tragedy of just as they're finding happiness type deaths. 
like a like a Terra, but the one I had to go with because um, it gets me every time has since the first time I saw it. Uh, Joyce, mm. for me, it's it's the saddest one. Uh, maybe because it is the realest one in a way. And even though I I I definitely saw this time going through how the overall cancer storyline was kind of a bummer for the season and didn't totally match. This episode really does kind of make it that that stuff worth it for me because it's just such a a profoundly moving event uh, and the way it's portrayed. I mean, I always like Joyce, but it would be hard. I'd be hard pressed to to say she was my favorite character. Mm-hmm. But they found a way to make that death so real that it. I I cry every time I watch that episode. I agree. Um, Angelus was up there, or for our Angel was up there for me. Not that I mean, like he had lived for a bicentennial, and you know, but it was the idea that Buffy had to mm-hmm. be the one to kill the love of her life that yeah. makes that such a tragic moment but absolutely i had to go with joyce it's you know tara is of course so sad oh yeah um but there is a difference between this the way it's in the way it's handled of this tragedy of violence Mm -hmm. versus this everyday thing that really happened i mean like yes men shoot women every day the way that the body is handled and Mm -hmm. you know the way that episode goes is so real life yeah. that it's it feels so real mm-hmm. it hits so hard yeah. and it's i it's great that it is so real that i know people that have lost parents or other loved ones have find comfort in yeah. again that thing that buffy does great in that if someone else understands this pain so well that I'm not alone, that means mm-hmm. someone else has been through it and someone else gets this Yeah. just by this episode existing. I'm not alone in this pain. Yeah. And it's, it's really beautiful that like a, a series where a lot of people wouldn't take it seriously. Cause Oh, it's some, it's some goofy show about some, you know, it's a, like a valley girl that st- stabs vampires. Whoa. Or, you know, whatever mm-hmm. you want to kind of like, label the show as as not serious you can just look at an episode like this and just be like how can you not respect this series for what it can do Mm -hmm. um with its characters and it's a thing that i I think could definitely be helpful people even if they never watch another episode of the series yeah like and that's that's something really really profoundly moving and difficult to do in a a television series absolutely again to Sorry to keep bringing this up, but the idea of great art makes you feel something. Mm-hmm. And there is no one on this planet that can't watch that episode and feel so much. On a lighter note. On a lighter note. Buffy's got some great villains, both Monster of the Week villains and, mm-hmm. of course, the season Big Bads. And I think this is going to be pretty obvious, but Mike, what was your favorite villain? Well, I think... We all know what it's coming to. Fish shocks. Uh, no. <laughs> you would make me talk about it. <laughs> no, it's it's obviously the Queller Demon. No. Nah! <laughs> it's the, uh, the the guy who shot the spikes out of his wrists. Uh, no, it's the mayor. Come it's on, guys. Obviously it's the mayor. the mayor. I will say, very close runner-up for me is, of course, Angelus. Okay. That's just, yeah. I mean, that is just classic Buffy. Yeah. He's very watchable. Mm-hmm. He's having a lot of fun. I enjoy watching him have fun in a very dark, evil way. And the way that he affects Buffy really improves the storylines that you can do on the show. Mm-hmm. But yeah, 
It's totally the mayor. He's just a delight to watch when he's on screen. Anytime he's on screen, you can tell it's the kind of role that an actor just relishes getting the chance to do. Oh. You can tell he's having so much fun doing it. And I have to say, like, he does such a good job with that because I, as well as the character was written, mm-hmm. I have to feel like you put in a lesser actor and it's just not going to be the same. Because no. the thing is, it borders on cartoonish but he always feels real mm. which makes it so much like funnier and scarier and more interesting he's a terrifying ned flanders yeah like what if ned flanders sincerely wanted to become a giant snake and destroy the world yeah that's really creepy <laughs> fabulous i mean that's just genius you guys <laughs> it's so good hey simpsons if you're looking for some new ideas oh, that would be amazing <laughs> This is just the next season is basically just season three of Buffy. (laughs) I think like something that we continually find on Buffy is that, you know, the show deals with some dark material. Mm -hmm. And even when they're dealing with it in a light campy manner, it's still dark. People are still dying. Yeah. You know, like the the effect that neck rupture is an everyday occurrence in this town. It's when you really sit there and think about it, like, oh, no, this is a horror show. But the most watchable villains are the ones that are enjoying themselves. And mm-hmm. even the Monster of the Week villains, you think of um, Dracula. Gnarl. Gnarl is having such oh, a good time. Gnarl is so happy to be there, guys. <laughs> um, as opposed to the ones where the characters take themselves super seriously. Yeah. It's just not fun to watch. And that's, yeah. I mean, think of Adam. Yeah, that's the thing. even Glory's having a great time yeah, yeah. most of the time. Sometimes yeah. she's very angry, mm-hmm. um, but she's angry in like a fun way. Yeah, it was like and Adam, like a she would have a Bravo show way. Yes, and even like Jonathan and Andrew, mm-hmm. they're not having fun, but they're like not taking themselves so super seriously, yeah. guys. The way that Adam or Warren or any of the numerous monster of the weeks that we can't remember because they were generic. I am the greatest threat you have ever seen. That, yeah. Meh. Sure yeah. you are. I was remembering, oh, I always forget his name. Bathtub guy, tiny arms. Balthazar? Balthazar. Balthazar. Uh, oh, God, gross. Uh, Man, wash me. Get the front. <laughs> Honorable mention for Balthazar. Uh, and uh, any of the 17 million snakes in this series. Yes. So I guess, many snakes. I guess we should have said, uh, had different categories. Best and most villain. Most <laughs> villain, some kind of fucking snake. It's a snake. <laughs> Joss Whedon has issues with snake fear. I, I, I really think it's like a... Ah, uh, that's going to be, can we just do a snake? It's going to be a lot easier if we just do a snake. An octopus, it's a lot of limbs. Snake, just one, a body. One limb, that's it. It's just a, it's <laughs> so just it's a like budget a, issue. Ooh, yeah. I can see them being like, what are people scared of? Spiders, that's a lot of fucking legs. Yeah. Uh, it, maybe a giant squid, that's a lot of fucking legs. Yeah. What is cheap to do that's, people scared of snakes, right? Go with fucking snakes. Yeah. Oh, another great villain, uh, Monster of the Week villain that didn't take himself too serious. What's, what's the little guy? The little guy from oh, Fear Itself. Yes. I fucking love that oh, guy. He's the tiny little fear demon. Yeah. Oh, that's Actual such a good app. All the Halloween apps are wonderful. I was close to putting Halloween as one of my favorite, uh, as my favorite app, just because I, that's one I can watch over. It and is over. fabulous. Yeah. So on the subject of favorite villains, this will also lead us to it's time to celebrate some major badassery. With the Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Slay of the Series. 
feel like I'm a broken record. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to start out by saying my runner up yeah. is the judge. Yeah, the judge is the an awesome slut. Fucking rocket launcher, man. Yeah. That's that's great. It's it's uh it's clever and funny and it and it brings in the modern without it feeling weird. Like sometimes when they tried to use guns on the show, it felt weird. It's like, fuck it. It's a rocket launcher. Yeah. And it just, I just like the idea of a classic like Slay is like, I mm. am killing one bad guy. Like yeah. it is the Slayer killing one bad guy. Mm. And honestly, the second I sat down to write this question, I was like, yeah, no, fucking rocket launcher. So that's my runner up. Yeah. My ultimate Slay. It's got to be the Angelus sword fight. That's my doom. It's so good. Yeah. 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 And it and it qualifies as, and the two criteria I usually tend to use for a slay of the week is for the slay of the series. Was it badass? Yeah. And was it important? Yeah. And it was definitely both of those things. Definitely both of those things. And there are plenty of like, you know, series finale deaths that were one or the other, you know, like the the master's death was pretty badass. Was that important? Like it was just the guy who was happened to die that season. Uh, bad special effects. I mean, for the time, it was fine. Yeah. Um, season seven when they got those effects, it was a little more questionable. Um, and like, yeah, there were other big finale deaths that were you know cool. I kind of liked, even though the again the effects aren't that great. I liked blowing up the mayor with the skull. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, and it's sad that the mayor's gone, but it wasn't like big effect for the characters because the only one who'd really been heartbroken was in a coma. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, it was just badass and uh, and ineffective. And I can't say something like joyous because they're again to be That's such a not bummer. a sleigh. And it's not a sleigh. That's it's what, just like, the death you know, of the week. Like you know, somewhere in the running might have been the Faith Buffy fight. Yeah. Which is just it is it is the best fight of the mm-hmm. series, and it is amazing choreography. But it's not a sleigh. No. No. So it doesn't count, but Angelus, oh my god, yeah, my god! First off, the sword fight choreography mm. is just banging. Um, it's I mean, it's so graceful. You just feel it. I feel nervous the whole time. Like, oh my god, what's gonna happen? Even though I've seen it a billion times, and that moment of take that all away and what's left. Yeah, you know how I feel about again. I mm-hmm. think about that moment at least once a week. You know, Chris has talked about on Haiti. Remember the this idea of taking encouragement from your chosen entertainment, and for him, it's Batman. I, I, this moment to me is so empowering. Just this idea yeah. that, like, I'm enough. Mm-hmm. I can handle this. Yeah. And given the most difficult situation of fighting the love of my life mm-hmm. who's you know the i get she's a fictional character so of course she can do it but yeah. just thinking about be, her being in this situation and kicking ass makes me feel like i can kick ass yeah. in any situation if i'm on the fucking treadmill if i'm you know dealing with a hard personal issue i got this yeah i am enough that's it's really cool and then the moment where she fucking stabs him it's so tragic but it's just, but in, and it's comes out of that same thing of like i i can do this this is horrible i hate doing this it's breaking my heart but i have the strength to do what mm-hmm. i need to do it gets down to that core of buffy that she is a hero she mm-hmm. has to do the hard things yep. that other people can't and this is a major sacrifice mm-hmm. it would be so easy to just say like well i guess the world is over because like cannot kill my soulmate uh, you can't blame me i mean you would you be able to kill your your boyfriend your yeah, 
yeah. Sorry, world. I love my husband. Mm -hmm. You get to end, and I'm going to kiss my honey. Aw. I mean, no! (laughs) Fuck off, everyone. Uh, Slight digression. It did make me think a little bit about, like, a slightly alternate ending for um, Chosen. Again, I think it would have been smart to move some of the Caleb fight to the end. And uh, have, like, that be your big climactic uh, fight beat for Buffy. But then have it be like a clear thing about like all the first is is like a vo- another voice in my head telling me i can't do things but i know i can oh yeah like, like that being a kind of yes moment. Just- and like yeah and what you're saying that that was so effective in the in the becoming moment for for buffy of like finding it with it, finding the strength within herself like if that had been a little bit more reflected i think it would have uh improved and already really good episode well and that would fit really well in with that whole speech of are you ready to be strong yeah and all these girls Mm -hmm. again another moment i think of if i'm feeling like i have a moment of weakness or insecurity of just are you ready to be strong you're a fucking Mm -hmm. slayer you've got this yeah you guys i like i i really like this show that's a really good show Uh, i should check it out i feel like we should do a podcast about it Give me the vampire slayer. Yeah, sounds right. So we've talked in the past about our favorite characters. Mm-hmm. Let's talk about not necessarily our favorite overall character yeah. of the series, but this time around, like who you appreciated more. Maybe yes. Which yeah. which character storyline really struck you this mm-hmm. watching? Um, for me, it's one that again I always appreciated to some degree, but I think like their full arc. And granted, there's some issues in season seven, but. Just the character who I appreciated so much more this time was Anya. Mm, yeah, I you definitely appreciate that. <laughs> and it's not just roller girl. I know. Girl I don't Anya. even mean okay. like like because she's hot and she yeah. is. But no, def- I could tell this time yeah. around that um, her storyline really struck you. Yeah, and it was just like one of those things where I think part of it was the the help of like breaking it down more. Because if you're just kind of casually going through or going through real quick, then it's almost easy to kind of write her off as like she's the sardonic comic relief character Mm -hmm. and there's not that much but there's so much to her character she goes through such a really fascinating arc and granted there's some pivotal episodes that really make that yeah um like when you see her backstory the the episode that probably should have been her finale i was about to say like yeah selfless i mean as much as i do love the character the fact that they didn't really do really anything with her after selfless they should have just let her go in selfless it would have been a stronger episode for it and and it would have kind of set up the the season in a better way of like anyone can die yeah like this isn't a season where we're gonna like make sure that everyone gets out and everyone's safe and so we can do the next one and not lose any you know major characters we'll just put them in comas or have them go on road trips if we're not sure if we're gonna have them back it's like no this is serious and this this character is dead and they had a a really strong uh journey out um so yeah i'm i'm a little bummed out that they they kind of fumbled the ball after that but up until selfless i feel like uh i so much more appreciated her art and just like little little bits again because of the way we're what we watch it where we almost overanalyze some things at times the way she'd react in the background of a scene i noticed mm. more it was just like she's such a great comedic actress but also nails all the dramatic beats she has to and i really sympathize with what her character was going through this time more than i'd ever have before yeah you nailed it I mean, she's wonderful i'm just sad about 
the way that they petered out her character storyline instead of really hitting it out of the park. Uh, for me, I mean, it's, I just want to mention Willow's storyline. Yeah. Um, that's always been a very special storyline to me. I think, yeah. I really think that the writers um, throughout the series really pay her special attention mm-hmm. and her overall arc from the wallflower full circle to goddess yeah. is wonderful and spot on. And I mm-hmm. don't think they make a mistake with her anywhere. But the storyline that hit me more this time around was actually Buffy. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, watching it in this way, you know, often when I would marathon Buffy, when she gets out of school is when I stop feeling as much for that character. She mm. feels a little more of a downer. And it's this watching that I realized that it's the way that the character grows up, that it's always mm-hmm. still Buffy, that her through line is always still there. But the reason that her character changes is because she's growing up. Yeah. And we're growing up with her. Season seven Buffy is the same character as season one Buffy. But seeing her go through these things that a person would go through at that age, you know, whether it's growing pains from graduating high school or what do I do once I'm in college or, you know, a sick parent and becoming an adult way before you should have to Mm -hmm. and dealing with the death of a parent and what it's like to be in your twenties and suddenly have to, you know, pay a mortgage or pay a rent and get a real job and work these shitty jobs that demean you as a human. And then, you know, almost becoming a motherly role in season seven. I really like that full art. Yeah. But the fact that like she goes through all those things, but you can still look at Welcome to Hellmouth and Harvest and be like, no, it's the same person. Yep. She just grew. Mm-hmm. I do want to do an honorable mention uh, to Tara because that's another character who I definitely like uh, appreciated a whole bunch more this time. And again, I think a lot of characters do benefit from slowing down the watching so that mm-hmm. it's not just, oh, who had the funniest line this episode? Right. St- sticks out. Because frankly, they tended not to give Tara the funniest line in an episode. No, no. not And that wouldn't have been in character. For no. her, I mean, it's, with the exception of that one, it's like her polar inset nerdy thing. Oh, sure, sure. So, like, I can't even quote it because I don't understand yeah. what she said. No, I, I definitely yeah. thought about her for this question as well because... In the past, when I've watched it, it did kind of feel like the writers were making me feel, try to feel more for Tara before I was ready to. Mm. But I didn't feel that way this time around, yeah. watching it in this way. I see, especially with where Willow is post Oz breakup, yeah. how this relationship comes in. And right now, I just can't get that moment from family out of my head. Mm. Yeah. Where Buffy says, We're family. Like, oh, yes. Mm. So especially in season seven, we've talked about this a lot lately. Um, some things have aged well uh, with Buffy and some things have not aged well. Mm-hmm. Uh, what element of the show do you think held up least watching it through this time? This is real nitpicky because um, I didn't want to do something like, oh, the effects, because sometimes they were on point and mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, of course, they weren't perfect. They were TV effects in the late 90s to early 2000s. And I think story-wise, most of it held up for me, except for like points that we've already mentioned in, in various seasons. So I can't look at one overarching thing like like that. So this is going to sound real nitpicky and maybe, maybe sound like a cop-out. But honestly, sound and sound editing. Oh, okay. Um, 
this time through and maybe it, it's just watching it and uh, finding it funny to note the m- multiple instances or maybe it's just modern TV you, tends to have bigger budgets or at least um, is filmed more cinematically on the whole so they don't have to do it as much or as clumsily but especially like the ADR I really noticed a lot of bad ADR this mm-hmm. time around. Whenever it happened it really took me out. That's like most of it was like bad ADR. Sometimes just sound levels in general um, weren't as good as I would have remembered them being. That being said, it's not like it's in it's a horrible show to listen to most of the time. And of course, there's beautiful things they do with songs. They have Mm -hmm. a musical episode that works great. Uh, But I'd say overall, I I was surprised how many times I was like, "Ooh, that didn't sound right." I guess that didn't sound like that person even. Yeah. Yeah. There are definitely some episodes that are super 90s, and it's fine with me. It's the era. I I did take the cop up and say the CGI, and not even Mm. like... Or the the thing for me is like not the early season special effects because those are the ones that work for me. Moloch works for me. Sure. Not as written in terms of a character. No. But the special effects... Works for me. Most of the monster um, practical plastic stuff on your face. Yeah. I'm good with it. Mm-hmm. All of that's fine. It is the later season CGI where it's like, just don't do it. Yeah. Just don't. If you don't have the budget for good CGI, do it practically. Yeah. Or, or even if you don't have it for that, then just honestly, like, find another way around it. Use something you already have and paint it a different color. It was super effective with the gnarl. Yeah. They repainted to be like the weird, creepy black demon. It's just gnarl. Oh, is it? Mm-hmm. I was actually talking about the costume, not the character. Okay, fine. Yeah. <laughs> so what held up uh, the best for you? Um, I would say the character arcs. Mm. Like it's it's one thing to say like, oh, I like this character. They're funny or like they're they're in, interesting. They're set up interestingly. I feel like watching it this time through, I really tracked the arcs a lot better of most of the main characters, and I feel like those held up better than I was expecting. Yeah. Um. Like I I saw mostly consistent or at least like uh, understandable growth and change for pretty much every main character. Which a lot of it I had tracked before to some degree, but this time through it was like, I totally understand why, you know, season six Xander is different from season four Xander and how he got that way. Yeah. Or like. Also feels like the same person. Yeah. Yeah. Willow changed a lot from the first episode to the last episode, but it's never not Willow. It's. There's always a core to her. Mm -hmm. And even like when she turned into Dark Willow, it came out of the same place that made her kind of like a lovable wallflower. It all felt of the same person. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, But yet they found ways to have characters change and grow pretty much across the board. There's very few major characters that I'd say like, oh, they didn't change enough or didn't have interesting enough arcs. There's some bumps along the way. Late season six to season seven, Spike gets a little rough, but he's still just such a fantastic character. I can forgive a, a lot of that. And yeah, just the character arcs. In a similar vein, I felt um, the thing that held up the most for me was the acting. Mm, Even when the writing wasn't great, I believed those actors 100%. And even like a lot of times on shows, the the character, the non-reoccurring characters, the the people that you're... Yeah, the guest actors. Yeah, aren't great. And with the exception of Ashanti... (laughs) (laughs) they're usually good on buffy yeah yeah and like maybe a little early on i i think it's that's that same thing where sometimes you get it in like a doctor who type series or any any of the star treks where it's like 
oh, they're not they're not sure what kind of show this is, mm-hmm. but not too much, especially not later on. I feel like they did a good job of getting very realistic performances. They were, uh, yeah. I just and especially the Scoobies. They're just all amazing actors. Yeah. And at some point or another, they all made me feel some really strong things, whether it's me crying my eyes out or mm-hmm. whether it's me laughing my ass off or just really hating you because you're evil. <laughs> Everyone just really made me believe that you are that character. I admire that it never felt like they were phoning it in. No. It never felt like they weren't taking it seriously because it was like a silly genre show. Yeah. And even if it's like a a really ridiculous Mm storyline, like, you know, Go Fish or Bad Eggs, like the characters were there and they Mm -hmm. were in it. Yeah. So speaking of things holding up as a whole, this show that started mid-90s, do you feel that it is less the same or more relevant today? I think I kind of had to split it up into two things. If you're talking about like for the culture as a whole, mm-hmm. it's probably less relevant. But to the kind of people who would love it, it's just as if not more relevant than ever. Mm-hmm. Like for, you know, smart, geeky people, um, especially growing up, um, I think this is a great show to kind of not only just find an entertainment avenue, but to find a, a a great, uh, I don't want to say model, but a, a show to relate to. There's always going to be a character that somebody who's geeky enough to get into a show about slaying vampires that they can relate to on this show. And I think in that way, it's just as if not more relevant. A lot of genre shows that have come since then that can be very entertaining, maybe even like higher budgets, bigger productions, but they don't have that that same personal aspect that i think like i don't know that in 20 years people are going to be saying i'm this character from westworld mm, yeah but i feel like people will still be saying oh i'm such a willow in right 20 years yeah um and i think in that way it's more relevant even though it's not it doesn't have the same hold over the zeitgeist that it it once might have but even then it's still not like something that like people are gonna know what you say, what you mean when you say Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Mm-hmm. So as like a cultural touchstone, it's still relevant, but it's not like as oh, pe- anyone's gonna know stuff about it. Uh, they're gonna know that it exists, and I kind of feel like to to be a, a geeky snob, the right people will know it. <laughs> I, amen. I really think that this show could see a resurgence mm-hmm. with the generation that's in high school now. Yeah. Is that to say that it's more relevant now? No. I also don't think it's less relevant. Mm. I think it's just as. I think the themes that Buffy um, deals with in its themes, whether it be the feminist angle or addiction or, you know, men's gaze on women's bodies or what have you, I feel like those are things that we weren't necessarily talking about in the 90s. They were problems for sure. Mm -hmm. But I don't feel like it was an open discussion that we were having as a culture, at least not here in the U.S. And I guess not as a person who was of that age. Maybe adults were. I don't know. But the generation that's in high school now Mm -hmm. is. Yeah. They are. Everyone is talking about these issues. There's definitely a movement to bring Mm -hmm. these social disparities between men and women to light and the idea of a woman's strength and independence And even, you know, the opioid crisis and dealing with addiction and 
stuff that is, since it is being openly talked about, I feel like we may see a resurgence in the show that people might actually, it's like, oh, I totally see what this show is doing. Yeah. And really understand what it's going for. Maybe use this as a launching off point for discussion the way that we do. I don't know, oh. but I feel like feel like it might be easier to recruit a new mm. watcher who is of that age right now versus another person my age. No, I totally see what you're saying there, that there's a degree to which I, I feel like at the time, or to even people like our, some people uh, closer to our age, there's a, a thing of like, oh, but it's... it's it's either like too silly or like, oh, they talk about serious stuff. I'm not interested. I just want a silly show about vampires. Right. And that's the only thing it should be. And if it's not silly enough or it's too silly, I don't care. I don't want it. But if it's a serious show that also has vampires and demons and this stuff that's not, you know, okay for adults to be into for whatever reason, I totally see it being a thing where just in general also like, being into geekier stuff is cool now. Same. Yeah. And even like so many of my friends that have maybe teased me for being mm. friends, coworkers, family members who have teased me for being really into a show called Buffy the Vampire Slayer, yeah. who just who have never watched it. But just yeah. they hear the word Vampire Slayer and they're like, well, that's ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Whereas you have shows, movies like Twilight or Vampire Diaries or things that were definitely big with a younger crowd mm-hmm. in recent years yeah. that I feel like may be more open to a show, show that deals with vampires and werewolves and, you know, lizard people. A variety of snakes. <laughs> um, but yeah, and just in general, there's there's a lot more openness to, to that kind of show being taken seriously and enjoyed by a wider swath of people. So in terms of relevance to you, mm-hmm. um, we started off this, I'm going to get real cheesy, watch. We started this journey together oh. by talking about what the series means to us. Has your opinion of this show or what it means to you changed over this viewing? Uh, I mean, I think it would be kind of impossible for it not to, just for the fact that it's now like this huge creative outlet that i've now had because of it um and getting to talk and joke around with you uh every every couple weeks about it just like the place it it holds in in kind of like my heart and my head as far as shows like it's definitely become a bigger part of my my cultural kind of fabric in the way that uh the things you watch growing up are part of you in in Mm -hmm. a very base way where they're they're kind of reflexively a part of a part of how you think and view the world and how you kind of approach things i think it's it's only like increased prominence in that fabric um examining it more and finding out all the things i love about it more and even some of the things that are are flaws Uh i I feel like um but understanding that more and and kind of getting a, a fuller view of it and exploring it that's meant a lot to me and uh I think I've definitely, you know, learned some stuff that I wouldn't have learned from just like if instead of doing this podcast, I just like watch the series again. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I, I think definitely Buffy means a lot to me and a lot that it wouldn't have meant without this podcast. Um, so that's it's very nice. Watching it in this way has definitely not, I guess, not changed my opinion of the show, but it's definitely fleshed it out. Yeah, it's definitely added 
I should say to the way I feel about this show. Firstly, just because the way that we watched at this time is so different that we're yeah. not just sitting around, you know, with a bowl of popcorn, mm-hmm. maybe talking during the episode, maybe not, but yeah. really getting into it and dissecting it. It is partly because the way that I consume film and television has changed one as I'm just a more mature person mm-hmm. and um, feel differently about the world because I have more life experience. Also in a big way because of being married to Chris, that mm. the discussions that he and I have about movies that we see or television that we watch has taught me a lot about film and about writing um, and the way that I watch things has changed because of what he's taught me about those mm-hmm. things. So definitely I'm seeing, I saw things this time around that I did not have not previously seen because of that influence. Yeah. Well, and on the, the subject of being taught, I think it, it's definitely very like educational and uh, enlightening to like discuss the series in depth um, with somebody who has a different experience, not only having like watched it from the beginning all the way through, through or nearly the beginning, I should say, um, all the way through and had it like so much part of their life um, earlier than me and to a bigger extent, but also uh, honestly, like talking in depth with somebody who's a woman about what this series meant to them and how they viewed it um, really opened my eyes on certain issues in certain episodes, um, certain beautiful things that the sh- show did that on some level I, I like understood, but like I didn't mm-hmm. really get the full grasp until like I discussed it with you and you, you discussed what you, what it meant to you. I appreciate that. And likewise for me, you know, discussing it with someone who's a much bigger fan of the horror genre oh, and sci-fi genre than I am. Like I'm, I'm definitely a casual fan. I enjoy those things, but, but like you see things from that perspective mm. that I don't. And there's definitely, I mean, it's just stuff like, I always knew that I wrote Bought You Jane was a silly episode yeah. and that like, not that it was bad, but that, like I didn't enjoy as much as other episodes. And previously I might've just been like, yeah, that's a stupid episode because it's a, got a robot on the internet. This time around was the first time I was able to recognize it and really open my eyes. Like, Oh, I get it now. I understand why that episode doesn't work. Whereas previously <laughs> I was like, I don't know, just it's a dumb concept. No, yeah. there, it has fundamental problems that yeah. now I can recognize. And yeah, as you said, doing this podcast and sharing my love of this show with you, Mike, and mm. with all the stackers yeah. has just deepened my love for it. Now it's not just about the way that I connect emotionally with these mm. characters or the storylines. It's deepened with all these memories of the people we've talked to mm. and my memories for you and I recording the show yeah. and the stuff that we talk about every week. It's just really, really this multi-layer yummy yummy cake of love (laughs) um there's love for the episode itself the appreciation of the technical aspects that maybe i didn't see Mm. when watching casually my memories of all the times i watched the show in the past the memory of watching the show this time and the memory of talking about it with you and then the memory of sharing it with everyone so it's just this really encapsulating, lovely, lovely experience with every moment of the show now. And on that note, um, we asked you guys to share with us what Buffy means to you. You guys know what it means to us, but we really wanted to hear from the stackers because this is, it's not about you and I and Mm -hmm. how we feel about it. It's about Buffy the Vampire, the show, and how it has affected all of us. So we asked the stackers to send in 
what Buffy means to them. And some of you chose to email us or tweet us or mm-hmm. send us a message on Facebook. And some of you um, chose to send us an audio recordings. Yeah. Thank you, everyone, for your submissions. Thanks, guys. <laughs> uh, so we heard from Raven. Mm-hmm. Raven said, Buffy was the first show I watched that represented female characters I could relate to and or wanted to be like. Willow's character and story arc meant a lot to me. Mm. Also, Buffy completely shaped my sense of humor, and Anya is still one of my favorite characters of all time. And then Tim sent us the following recording. Hello, Kristen and Mike and all the Sunnydale stackers. Tim Rooney here. And what Buffy the Vampire Slayer means to me is a show that took, I mean, like, the, I mean, the sole premise of it, like, a blonde woman walks down the alleyway as a vampire pops up behind her, you expect her to die, and if it was an 80s slasher movie, or 80s monster movie, I should say, but the idea of it turning on its head, like, no, then she kills the vampire, just that little kernel idea, and then it exploded out into this series, and it had its own spinoffs and everything, I find that to be really wonderful, and it was a large part of me when I was at college and I would just binge watch it on Netflix and it was just very important to me as well as the episode of the body means a lot to me because it helped me when my mom had passed away and I just like I had saw the episode before I, that happened and so I was aware of that when that, that event happened and so I was aware of like okay the things that would need to be done and it was just for some reason that episode is very comforting to me I know it's a very, it's a very upsetting episode but I think it's some of the best performances of all the actors in that show and most, I guess, like the last point is that we have this show. I mean, and all the enthusiasm that you two have, and as well as the all the listeners, I say Buffy the Vampire Slayer is a show that keeps on giving, just like this show. And I'm just say thanks for all the entertainment you provided. Thank you. Yeah, it it is kind of nice to to bring it back to the starting point when you're talking about it. You know, Tim also sent us a really touching message about what the body meant to him as mm. someone who lost his mom. Yeah. And I just want to say thanks for all the support you've shown us over the past three years. You've been with us from the beginning, and you're just you're just a really awesome guy. Yeah. Hannah said, Buffy was the first show that was mine. All caps. <laughs> I love Star Trek and Doctor Who because of my dad. Mm-hmm. ER, EastEnders, and Neighbors because of my mom. <laughs> it gave me a sense of belonging, a love for older, fuddy-duddy actors, and helped me find friends in uni. And then Luke sent us the following recording. Hello, I'm Luke, and I've quite recently become a a rather big fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. And this is my reason why. I got into, I'd say, late October, I believe, 2016, I got caught up in a, a TV series, which I believe came out in the States shortly after, called Class, which is a Doctor Who spin-off, and there were a lot of complaints surrounding it, saying that it was like a British rip-off of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and I'd heard about Buffy, my uncle was quite a big fan when he was younger, and so I believe he'd been watching it since the start, but when I got in conversation uh, with my uncle and my grandparents about class, um they said about why they think I would like Buffy. And I think it was at January 2017, I picked up Series 2, really enjoyed it. It was only about two, three quid, two, three pounds, so it wasn't really too much. Um, then I got quite caught up in it. I think it was around 
think it was the Easter holidays last year, so that would have been sort of April time that I picked up the complete box set for £25 in the same store. I'd sold a load of my DVDs and stuff, and I managed to put together enough to get the next series of Buffy, or the complete series of Buffy, and from there I sort of became quite a, a fan of it. For me, I put Joss Whedon up there with people like John Hughes um, in their way of making teenagers like myself um, sort of sitting while watching it and think, why can I relate to this? Because he manages so well to put the the you know the the, the fantastical the the world of sort of of the fantasy elements to relate to how teenagers are and how teenagers feel and I'd say anything from around then I would have been 13 now 14 um anything from that age to when you're into college or even into adulthood there's enough in Buffy for anyone to feel I know how they feel and for that I I think Joss Whedon has got all the praise he deserves Sounds more to say deserves all the praise he gets. Um, Put it a weird way there. Um, Basically, yeah, Buffy's brilliant. And to be honest, I think more people uh, should watch it. There's a lot of people I know who would enjoy it, but just for the sake of it being an an old 90s show and with my taste normally being quite obscure for people my age, being John Hughes movies, Monty Python, things like that, people don't want to watch it, but... If I can get anyone into Buffy, that'd be brilliant. And I'm such a big fan from there. So hope this wasn't too long. And goodbye. Thank you, Luke. Yeah. You're absolutely right. There are still days where I'm going through stuff and take comfort in, oh, this is kind of like that time that Buffy yeah. blink. Yeah. It makes you feel like you're not alone. If mm. nothing else, some writer on Buffy somewhere knows exactly what you're going through. No, it's, it's a nice way. And I, I like seeing how people come to the show in different ways too it's really nice megan said buffy was the first time i ever saw a girl kick ass and didn't rely on a guy to save her from the dangers of the world not to mention the awesome people i've met through buffy fandom cough Kristen, chris mike cough (laughs) (laughs) and then cody sent us the following recording hi stackers my name's Cody, and to answer the question, what does Buffy mean to me, it's interesting because I've used different things in different points in my life. Uh, Willow is the character that I connect with the most, and our arcs, so to speak, are crazy similar, from being a geek to coming out to losing my fiancé in a freak accident to my drug problems to recovering from that and watching Willow go through it and watching the other characters go various things through various things in life it's matters it matters to me and the interesting thing is I've taken different things from it at different points in my life and it's given me uh, a lot of my friends, most of them online. But yeah, that's what Buffy means to me. Again, I, th- I think we we touched on it a little bit. It's not as 
uh, personal, but there for for us on some of them. But uh, that is something the show does really great is the way you're you can really find a character and relate to them. Mm-hmm. Um, it's what I think a lot of the best television does. Cody, thank you for so much for sharing your really personal story with us. I love the idea that we can take comfort and strength from fiction. Mm-hmm. It was making me think about there was this one day near graduating college that I was talking with some friends that were all pre-med. I went to a school um, that it has a very large pre-med uh, program, and that's kind of everyone I knew. And we were all talking about post-college plans. I got a little down on myself. They were mm-hmm. re- going to research to solve cancer and sure. be a doctor for babies in the ER. And here I am a theater major. So I, you know, I got kind of down myself. I said, well, you know, nothing I ever do will really matter. Mm. And one of my friends said, basically that this, that it matters, that art can matter, that people need it. That if you're in an ER all day saving lives, you need (laughs) this art, this entertainment at the end of the the day and that it can really help people. So thank you, Cody. It makes me prouder to be a Buffy fan, to know Mm. that people can look at storylines like Willow's loss of Tara or her addiction and find help there. Yeah. Susan said, I didn't watch Buffy's first season when it aired, but I had caught up with it by the time it ended. Since then, I've watched it so many times and I do a yearly rewatch. It is hard to fully put into words what the show means to me. It has brought me so much joy and has also resonated with me throughout my life. In particular, Buffy has helped me through times of loss and grief. Buffy is a show with laughter and silliness, but also a show that has so much pain. I have cried so many cathartic tears and related to the characters in some of their darkest times has helped me through mine. Last year was the hardest year of my life, and I have to credit Buffy in part with helping me keep holding on. About two years ago, I discovered the wonderful world of Buffy podcasts, which brought with it a whole new world of experiencing my favorite show and also a wonderful community. Buffy is a show that I can draw strength from and find peace in. It is no understatement to say that Buffy is a show of my heart. And I will never stop loving it. Oh, that's so sweet. And so beautiful. Thank you, Susan. Miss Kitty Okayish on Twitter. I don't know your given name. I might be. But you have a wonderful handle. Miss Kitty Okayish said, I started watching Buffy by chance at a very hard time in my life. I was in my early 20s, suffering from depression in a very oppressive and sexist religious and social environment. Couldn't help being who I was and the world I was living in hated that person that girl who didn't know when she was supposed to shut up and listen to the men but i was trying to fit into it because i believed what i was being told by literally everyone around me i don't think i consciously realized the effect buffy was having on me i just knew that unlike everything i believed to be true unlike everyone around me buffy never let me down every time i watched it made me feel better happier stronger better about the world not once even go fish, even beer bad. Buffy never let me down. Buffy herself never let me down. Decades later, I can cast a critical eye and see the problematic elements in the show thematically and dramatically, but without Buffy, I wouldn't have been able to do that. I haven't actually had time to watch the show in years, but I'm listening to no less than three podcasts about it. Mm-hmm. And even being absolutely clear about its imperfections, I still hold a special love for it because Buffy never let me down. Oh, that's so sweet. Thank you. That was beautiful. Yeah, that was lovely. And it it's a really great point that, and I know some people will critique us or other um, 
criticism or podcasts about things where it's like, well, if you're talking about the stuff you hate so much, well, how do you like it? It's like, no, because nothing's perfect. Even hmm. the things you love, the people you love, nobody's perfect. And you have to acknowledge that um, it's not necessarily perfect in every way, but it doesn't mean it's not great. And it doesn't mean that sometimes those imperfections don't add to the overall picture. It makes it more whole, more human in a way. Absolutely. I don't want a Buffy without a goofy season one. Yeah. No, it, it wouldn't be Buffy. So just a heads up, Ryan had some technical difficulties with the mic cutting off randomly, mm-hmm. but we love his response. So we saved as much as we could. Yeah. So let's hear from Ryan. Hi there, Mike. Uh, Ryan here. Uh, super psyched that y'all have made it this far. Uh, we're already at the last episode. Uh, that's amazing and i love everything that y'all have done so far and looking forward to everything that y'all are doing next because please keep putting out new content we love you uh and yeah we're at the last episode really appreciate how y'all have opened it up for us to have a word or two about what buffy means uh really cool so with that said uh what does buffy mean to me which, again, I appreciate as stated as a high school-style essay because that's where it all starts, for me anyway. I got into Buffy the end of my junior year of high school. First episode was The Gift, which I've sort of mentioned on the Facebook before, but I fell for it immediately. The characters were hilarious, and it was tense, it was funny, it knew how to balance those moods great. The characters were interesting, and I've always been into superheroes, and especially the mix of superheroes and regular folk just kind of hanging out and saving the world, and I got into it immediate. The transition from junior to senior year for me was a particularly turbulent one. Uh, it was a combination of my friends who were leaving uh, school because I was always friends with the class above me and coming into my sexuality and figuring out who I was as a person and, you know, relationship dramas and all kinds of stuff and worrying about how my family would react because I wasn't completely out yet at the time. But along came this show that, you know, had interesting and dynamic characters, including a character that was in a relationship with another woman. Uh, I'd always sort of had to squirrel away and find like what gay avenues of entertainment I was going to find and then hide it in my room somewhere. And these, this is like not like hiding porn. This is like hiding like videotapes of HBO movies and such because it just meant the world to me. But there was this show that I had really easy access to. And then even easier access because not only did I watch through the WB reruns over the summer, but FX started playing in the fall the reruns from the beginning. That was pre-Netflix. Like, I'm home from school every day. I'm watching this show. Nobody disturbed me. Starting senior year, I had acquaintances, uh, and I was, you know, friendly. It wasn't for lack of potential connections, but it wasn't, I didn't have anything yet. And then the musical aired and 
I was at a club meeting one day just singing the songs and a friend came over and was like, hey, what what are you singing? That sounds hilarious. So I told her about the show. And then I realized that from that point, I started telling everybody about Buffy. I was like, oh, my God, you have to watch this. This is a really great time and you you just have to. And so I sort of started this thing in my school. It wasn't like a club per se. It was like a subcommittee of a club where I got people into Buffy, including one of my still to this day really close friends. I just started networking and started connecting to people through the show. And we talk about it every day. And then we would start inviting each other to each other's houses to watch it as a group and then talk about it. And then, you know, if we had it on videotape, like we would watch prior episodes and then the DVDs came out. And so we would and did lock ourselves away in our bedroom, just binging the DVDs. So it became this, like we took it in and took everything in it. it, Again, it became our connection and it became this lingo that I, I still have. And this lingo that I still am making connections with, even as an adult, 34 years old. And I can still make friends with people by dropping a reference to Buffy and whoever picks it up in the circle. I'm like, ah, you and I might have some connections and I've still made friends from it. Like throughout the years, some of my best friends to this day are people that that was one of our starting conversations is, yeah, but how do you feel about Buffy? Okay, we're good. (laughs) It was this time of, you know, real challenging identity stuff. Again, having uh, a character that was, and I might argue bisexual, but gay, uh, somebody that had meaningful relationship with a woman and it meant it was okay. Everybody was so matter of fact and crystal clear about like, we love you. We accept you. That's one aspect of you. The friends I found along the way with Buffy were incredibly similar. Uh, my family was much, much deeper issues, um, for a while. So having the people that I built that connection with meant the world to me, that safety net of my friends, um, having, an idea of like, here is this character specifically with Willow, like this character who herself was kind of nerdy and was kind of shy, but she could be a badass when she needed to be. And she happened to be gay. And it's like, you have come from this wallflower in high school to this super, super crazy badass. And I was like, that is fantastic. I definitely want to be that badass. And I hope that I am doing such badass things. Maybe not with the magics, but I do good work. We in high school had this game of we would sort of give ourselves an archetype, a primary character, and we a secondary character. And I was always Xander, my primary, and Tara, my uh, secondary. And I think that still rings true to me. I know that there are still times when I can look around in my circle of friends and see all the amazing work that they're doing and appreciate them and respect them and kind of still feel like, am I doing 
work that I feel is on the level with them. But at the end of the day, still coming back to being the heart of the group and knowing that about myself is pretty, pretty rad. Being this really nurturing, I'm a social worker, so being a very nurturing person and very sort of came from a hard place with my family and had been told messages about there being things that are not okay about me, my sexuality being the proverbial demon here, and still coming out of that with a circle of people that are incredible and really mean something and recognize that there are no truths to all of that talk that I had gotten from family. That meant the world to me too. That network, that episode of family where the people stand up and say, you know, Buffy first is you have to go through me. My friends kind of did that without knowing that they did that. That episode always makes me cry because of that. I got to meet Joss Whedon at South by Southwest a couple years ago. I was in line for Much Ado About Nothing. I didn't have a badge because that dash is expensive. We did sort of wait in the free line, and it started with like 100 people, and it whittled down after a couple of hours to maybe four or five of us who were like, well, we're still holding on to a chance of maybe getting to slip into the back. We didn't. The whole movie sold out, but we still hung around because we were talking. We were talking about everything, Joss. We were talking about Buffy and Angel and Firefly and Dollhouse and the whole collected works and how excited we were to watch the movie eventually. But then... Joss came out like he came out of the theater after he did his intro to the South by crowd and came out to the four or five of us that were still in line and hung out with us for a half an hour. And I got to thank him personally for all the times that Buffy meant to me, all the friends that I made along the way and being an affirming voice and always sort of having the underdogs back. Uh, if you will, getting to thank him personally for all of that was awesome. Any and everybody that I might eventually meet along the way from the show, I, I hope to send a gracious thank you to everyone, cast, crew, writers, producers, even the ad sponsors, like for keeping it on the air. Like it was an amazing time and it's still an amazing work and an amazingly meaningful thing. I just want to send that thank you out to the world and the universe. And I hope that somebody who has taken part in the creation of Buffy has heard that message and keeps hearing that message because they're awesome for it. And thank you, Kristen and Mike, for doing this podcast and being a unit to rally around and being yet another thing that I send out to my friends and saying, oh, my God, no, you have to listen to this. This is fantastic. Um, love your show so much and love the network, everything at 27th Letter. Thank you all because you're badasses, all of you. And much love. Thanks for everything so far. And again, whatever new stuff is coming along the way, uh, thank you for that, too. So peace to you and have a great day. I love what Ryan says about wanting to be that badass and that no, I yeah. can be that badass. Mm -hmm. And I, I, this is a beautiful answer. And I just yeah. think that you absolutely summed it up. Yeah. I was a little tempted to just at the end yell badass. Um, <laughs>
And, I, I just felt inappropriate for how like sweet a, a lot of it. No, a lot of all the responses have been. But yeah, it is. It is great, and I love that. In so many of these, there's a lot of how Buffy has kind of inspired people to find strength with themselves and comfort, and uh, it's really beautiful to to share that with people and to to hear that it's it's had that effect on people all over the world. <laughs> all right, guys, that's. That's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. It is an amazing special show. You know, it it was only on for seven seasons. Six and a half years, really, because season one was so short. And I think about all the shows that lasted longer. Mm -hmm. And I have to tell you, like, there are still times when you'll someone will be like, so-and-so on its 12th season. I'm like, that got 12 and Buffy only got seven. (laughs) Yeah. And still have a twinge of like resentment over that. But what a magical seven years that we're still mm-hmm. talking about it. It yeah. still means obviously so much to everyone as we just heard from some of our stackers. How magical that it it gave us three years now of yeah. memories with each other and with listeners and will continue to do so because mm-hmm. we're not going anywhere. Nuh-uh. Thanks to everyone for uh, listening so far, for for hanging out in the stacks with us. I uh, can't wait to uh, go, go flying with you. <laughs> Don't forget, guys, we are not going anywhere. I take that back. We're going somewhere. We're going outer space. Ooh. But this podcast isn't going anywhere. Stay subscribed. Mm-hmm. Don't disappear on yeah. Facebook. We are still around. We are just going to a verse far, far away. Not Star Wars, Firefly. <laughs> Again, we're going to take a little break just mm-hmm. so we can get all our decks in a row, get geared up to completely switch, switch gears to talk about this different show. But we're really excited to and do books it. Books are really hard to move, guys. We've got to <laughs> move the stacks <laughs> onto the spaceship. Onto Serenity. You guys, yeah. Preacher Book, you'd think he'd be helping us. He's not. No. He's just in the corner reading his Bible. He's not doing the heavy lifting. Yeah, and like- you can't rely on Jane. No, I mean, for so many reasons. (laughs) Little Haley, she's adorable. She's trying. She doesn't lift that much. Yeah. So until June 27th, when we return with the Sunnydale Stacks flying with Firefly, thank you for tuning in to the Sunnydale Stacks. Please like us on Facebook. Look for us on Twitter at Sunnydale Stacks or send us an email at sunnydalestacks at gmail.com to ask us questions or share your own opinions and memories about Buffy the Vampire Slayer or Firefly. The Sunnydale Stacks is a part of the 27th Letter Productions Network. Look for our sister podcast, Haiti Remember, and join us on June 27th when we return with the Sunnydale Stacks flying with Firefly. Now for the final conductor button hour. <laughs> what was your favorite conductor button moment? Well, for me, um, I'd have to say it was when uh, conductor button uh, went onto the train. <laughs> <laughs> it was a good moment. Was yeah. a good time. Yeah.